The New York City preseason roster is out, and two important signings over the last week. That and much more on NYCFC Views. Turn up your volume. Because you're about to listen to The Sick Podcast. NYCFC Views. Collins approaches the shot, and New York City wins the first MLS Cup on their first try. And they're going crazy. The sickest New York City FC podcast. It's going to be sick. Welcome back, everyone, and certainly the sick part of the sick podcast appropriate today as uh, I'm carrying a little bit of a cold that I brought back from Anaheim and the National Coaches Convention, but I'm feeling fine. I've got my cough button ready, uh, and I uh, I was going to say something like uh, this will give Roberto uh, more of a chance to you know, chime in today and, and speak, but that's normally the case anyway. So I don't think anything will, will really change. I'm Glenn Crooks, Roberto Abramowitz here as well. And uh, Roberto, how are you doing? I'm doing fine. Uh, I, I did really well. So you, as we all know, we spoke about it last week. I had a uh, issue last year, which is now uh, taken care of and everything seems to be going very, very well. So uh, I'm really happy. And then on top of that, uh, I got COVID about two weeks ago. So I had that for about a week because everybody in New York seems to have it. And uh, I had a, you know, a slight cough for about two, three days. It was intense for a few hours overnight a couple of times. And then after that, it was fine. I really, nothing at all, didn't need Poxlovid or anything like that. It, it helps to be in good shape otherwise. So, uh, and probably also because of the fact that, you know, I have all the vaccines except for the last one, which I was going to take last week. But then I got COVID, so now I can't really take it for another, I don't know, three, four months. So, And then I'll catch up. All but I'm right. good. I'm really good. I feel great. The uh, weekly Roberto Abramowitz health update. and uh, but, oh I, you my look God. Great, but you look great, and you're, you're improving each week, so that's what's really important. So I just want to share a photo from the convention. I, I did 18 interviews, and wow. I moderated two panels. Now, the two people here are uh, have a connection to New York City FC. Uh, the guy next to me, uh, he's on the left, as you can see. That's Dr. Kerry Boldy. He was the head of coach support for the city football group. He's one of the reasons why Nick Cushing uh, is part of the New York City staff. He brought in Cushing and Dyla together. When I say he brought them in, what, what Kerry did, and uh, we talked about it on this interview for SiriusXM, is he his responsibility was to always have on the ready coaches to plug in so that the methodology and the system could remain the same within all the city football group teams. Uh, I've known him for quite some time, um, really an interesting uh, guy to talk to, and and for the first time I actually was able to meet with him socially a little bit. And uh, the young lady uh, to my left and to the right as you're looking at it, Carly Lloyd. Carly played for Nick Cushing at Manchester City, and she played for me at Rutgers University. Had a nice chat with Carly as well, talked about some of her comments, which caused so much uh, disdain on social media recently. So uh, we'll go over that too. Which, but, uh, which ones? Because she seems to do that often. Well, she's a Jersey girl who has an opinion. And the one thing I, where, how I compliment Carly all the time, especially now that she's doing this studio stuff, is so often in the past, 
the U.S., uh, the former U.S. national team players would be put in those positions and would be reluctant to be critical of their former teammates because they were friends. And I love the fact that Carly, you know, I, I don't, you know, I don't know if she sustained all these friendships, but she says what she thinks. And to be honest, and I will go on record also saying I agree with just about everything she says. So, and, um, and that's the way it should be. We we see that a lot on, with coaches, by the way, when they're on television. It's a fraternity, and you'll never see coaches really criticize coaches, be it the NBA, the NFL, the NHL, whatever it is. You never see that. Um, and so they're, they're protected. They'll criticize players, but they'll never really criticize coaches. It's very rare when, when you see that, when, when coaches are, you know, doing shows, be it on ESPN, Fox, or wherever. All right, so that was the convention. It was pretty cool. Uh, you've been there, uh, Roberto. You know, yeah, I missed it this coaches. year. I, I'm really bummed about it. I really wanted to go, but it was going to be impossible after the heart attack and quadruple bypass and all of that. And, uh, you know, it was better for me to stay home and take it easy and uh, and relax and get healthy. So uh, I'll miss it this year. Where's next year's? Is it coming back east? Well, it's getting closer to the east. It's going to be in Chicago. So, uh, yeah. Oh, that's not bad. I love no, Chicago. Not, not, not this bad. week. But uh, have you seen what's going on in Chicago this week? Have you seen, like, the photos of the, of the weather over there? It no, is I mean, insane. I, all right. Well, it's not till next year we're going, so hopefully it'll it'll recover by then. Um, although I guess we'll be there. I don't know what our schedule is this year uh, in terms of going to Chicago. I can't remember. But let's get to this. So before we get to the, the roster, which was uh, just released this morning uh, out in preseason, which is in Tampa at the uh, at the beginning, and eventually we'll uh, move to Indio, California for Coachella. A uh, couple of signings, and they, they appear to be very important. I mean, the first one is uh, if there's a guy that – helped boss the midfield. Remember, New York City had a, a good final stretch to the season. It's unfortunate that prior to that, uh, there were there was a 17-game stretch where it was uh, very difficult to get results. But Andres Perea, uh, finally, uh, we knew it was going on. Jim Curtin was the really only one that said publicly, yeah, we're, we're trying to work a deal out with New York City, Jim Curtin, the Philadelphia coach. And, uh, and finally, a deal was cracked. So the guy that was on loan, he's now a permanent member of New York City uh, for $650,000 GAM, which could escalate to $800,000 depending on incentives. We don't know what the incentives are, but if it's playing time, I'm sure he'll reach that incentive. You know, yeah. So that's a, that's a huge first signing. I mean, was, since he arrived in New York City, I mean, he, he started every game, I believe, except one. I think the Chicago Fire game. I'm trying to see over here if he started that game or not or just left early. But he only played 30 minutes in that game. No, he came on. It was, uh, yeah, he he didn't start. So that that's the only uh, that that's the only game. And I mean, the minute he came in, he showed he showed exactly what he could do. Very good offensive. He's good with the ball. Has good vision. Uh, the team just looks stronger. He's not afraid to take a shot. Uh, I really liked him. I thought that he gave you know New York a stronger midfield at that point. And he was, and obviously Nikushi must have thought the same thing because he basically never took him out of the lineup. There's no, there's once no he got think, a chance to play. There's no thinking about it. Uh, yeah, he was their, he was their best midfielder during the time he he got a chance to play full time. I, I don't think it was even close. Yeah, and so he wanted to stay. He made it obvious that he wanted to stay. The team wanted him, but originally in the original loan deal that they had 
which was just for the end of the season, there was a no buy clause. It was, a, you know, normally you, you get a player on loan and then there's a buy clause. This one didn't have one. So they had to, you know, so the better Perea played, the more expensive he became. And That's the right. more New York City wanted him, Philadelphia was like, all right, let's go. Count yeah, that really. cash. Let's go. And then they got they got a pretty good sum for him. But I think New York City obviously gets the better of the deal because he played really, really well. He's going to really help New York City's midfield uh, from, you know, from the beginning, as long as he stays healthy. Well, and now uh, you, you look at the personnel that are currently in camp and we'll get to the full roster. Um, James Sands is with the U.S. men's national team. They'll play against Slovenia on January 20th. Hopefully he and Micha Ilinic, who's also – going to be around for that game on the Slovenia side. Hopefully they get a chance to go at it a little bit. Um, But the midfield, the midfield. So let's just (laughs) take, let's just take James Sands, Keaton Parks, Andres Perea, Mm -hmm. Maxi Morales when he's fit, but Santi Rodriguez at the start, is he going to be an attacking midfielder? Is he going to be a winger? So who, who sits in that scenario? And I don't think you don't talk about a rotation between Keaton Parks who's uh, on the verge of uh, extending his deal with New York City FC, perhaps. Uh, that's there's. It seems to be in line now that he's not going to depart. And uh, Sands, who's, who's going to recover from what was a, a pretty difficult season for him, not up to his standard, I think he'd admit that. And now Perea, or do you play a, a, a midfield like that without a 10? Because the 10 is becoming less instrumental, it seems, uh, in football. Yeah, unless you have Lucho Acosta, you know, a, a player like right. that. So uh, they, they might go with a 4 3 3 for a while. But, uh, but if you're playing a 4 3 3, then how do you line them up? Who are you putting down to the side? You leave Sands in the middle and you put Parks on one side and uh, Pede on the other? Or do Twin you. Eight. Twin eight. I'm answering okay. your question. Sands sits as the sixth. And Perea okay. and Parks play twin eights, which it so gives it's them a, a little bit of a triangle. So it, so it winds up yeah. being a little bit of a triangle anyway. Yeah. So yeah, uh, yeah that'll be do that. That makes a lot of sense. We should let everybody know Nick Cushing will be speaking to the press, which includes us on Friday morning. Uh, I think it's 11 a.m. Eastern, and then uh, yeah. we'll. Uh, I'll be sure to tweet out. I'm, yeah, I'm sure you will too, Roberto. Some of the some of the his thoughts, but that's certainly a question. Is uh, the midfield? For New York City, it's flexibility. We understand that. That's important to a coach. But you got three guys that have to log a lot of minutes. You would assume. And how is he going to do that? All right. Have the other the guy we don't know. competition. Competition. Nothing oh, wrong with yeah. that. No, absolutely not. Absolutely not. For all the people that think that everybody comes to MLS for a vacation and uh, you know they don't put in the work that they're here to get paid and all of that. No, 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 no. You're competing. You want to go and you want to play and. That means that you got to bust your butt in practice and and then show the coach that you deserve the minutes. I mean, nobody is guaranteed minutes except for Messi, I would think. Well, it, yeah, I would think. Uh, then <laughs> the other addition uh, so far, and will there be more? We uh, assume there will be, but H- Hannes Wolf, he's an Austrian coming from the Bundesliga, uh, Moche Gladbach, where uh, Joe Scali is, the former New York City homegrown and he is a, a competition. He's going to be part of the competition on the wing, we would assume. That's where he has spent most of his career on the left and right side. And uh, the, the interesting thing here, Roberto, 
Got Kerry Boldy bringing him up. Uh, he knows this kid well, and he thinks it's a he thinks it's a good acquisition. I trust Kerry and and his judgment on that. But the guy hasn't played a competitive match since May the twenty seventh, uh, yep. and and a lot of that has been due to injury. I don't want to say he's injury prone, but he he's dealt with a meniscus tear that he had surgery on, and an injury prior to that, a, a soft tissue injury. But this is a, a from the, uh, the Gladbach managing director a quote, and uh, Hannes never made the mark that he and the club had expected him to make at Gladbach. So that's one of the reasons, you know, that he was uh, dispatched by them and, and made available to New York City, and of course. Uh, He's trying to make his mark now in MLS. And I think he'll be very motivated to uh, – I mean, those are the kind of comments, if I were a player and I saw that, it would add a little bit to the motivation. Uh, plus, yeah. now he's in a competitive uh, arena here where there are a lot of um, quality wingers for New York City FC, and uh, including Tylus Magno on his side, although we've seen seen things about Magno, which certainly haven't been confirmed or – or uh, I, I don't know if you've heard anything more than those couple of tweets. No, I haven't. But, but the, the rumors are out there that uh, there is interest in Europe and in Brazil for Magno. And uh, <laughs> we'll see if he wants to go and if the team wants to sell him. So there's two different things that go. Normally, if a player wants to go, New York City has been very good about uh, taking care of that and doing that for them. But, uh, you know, we'll have to see what goes on. We, we know that it was a very tough season for Tyler's Magno. He finished stronger then he started or in the middle at least he had that going for him but uh he's just such a talented player that so far hasn't lived up to the expectations it's been in spurts only sadly and we haven't been we haven't seen him fully mature yet as a player and and take that ability and and take it you know to the next level right now we're trying to get him or the team is trying to get him to play at his level all the time and it's been, you know, a little bit of a roller coaster for him. He finished strong, which was nice to see. But there was a while where he was in the doghouse. He couldn't get off the bench at New York City. He couldn't get off the bench at all. So, uh, you know, hopefully he's gotten better. He's matured. And uh, if he stays here, then, you know, hopefully he, he plays to the level we expect him to play at. And if he goes, then, you know, we wish him – we wound up wishing him the best. I want to just say something about – um about Wolf, okay? So Wolf's last game was May 27th, and he played 19 minutes in that game. Uh, he came in as a sub. It wasn't like he started. He got hurt. After that, he had injuries and didn't wind up playing again. Um, and he only had, like, sporadic, you know, appearances, five minutes against Werder Bremen, 21 minutes against Wolfsburg, two games in a row where he didn't play, six against Stuttgart. Nine against Bochum. The, the most he had was on May 13th, 45 minutes against Borussia Dortmund. Didn't play the next game, and then only 19 against Osberg, which was his last game. His last start, Glenn, was February 23rd. I mean, by, by the time the New York City season starts, it'll be a full year before between starts for him, if he even starts. So if you're looking uh, at uh, if you're looking at transfer market, I, I was looking at the same thing. Go back to that Dortmund game. I'm pretty sure he started that game. And just played the first half, which is only no, that, a couple. That of... might be. Yeah, let, that's let me see if he started. Because um, I was looking for that. His last. I was looking for that too. His yes, last... he did start. Okay, right. So I'm sorry. I apologize. 
I figured it was a, I didn't look at it. Okay. I figured it was. No a need to, so yes, okay. he played that. So, okay. So we started twice in one year. Well, that, that's, thank you. More, that's more a fact that is really, it's really, no. And that's uh, there's a significance to his uh, lack of playing time in as much as his readiness to jump in and, and compete uh, on a full-time basis for New York city. He's not in uh, he's not even on the, uh, training camp uh, preseason roster yet because of the visa that he has to acquire in order to come in. And they're not going to list him on the roster until he arrives. So he right. can't come in and train uh, or do anything with the team. So he's going to be behind. So I, I think the anticipation is, uh, can they get him uh, in time to be fit enough to play in those uh, three Coachella matches between February 7th and February 14th? That would be good so. because then the season starts soon thereafter. I was yeah. looking at his career, um, at his career numbers and where he's been. You know, all the clubs have been pretty decent clubs. So he's Borussia uh, Gladbach. Before that, he was at Swansea, where he played 19 games and scored two goals. Uh, that was on loan. Um, and then before that, he was on Leipzig. He was on Salzburg. And he started his career with a team called Liffering, which I can't say I've ever heard of before. But, I mean, he started out really well there. I mean, 35 games, seven goals. And then when he went to Salzburg, 23 goals in 89 games. So you look at those numbers and you're like, okay, so what's happened since? And, um, and you know, is it a situation where he just needs a, a fresh start with a new coach and maybe a new system and uh, that re-energizes him and, and gets him back to where he was? Because obviously, you know, he was a pretty decent goal scorer if he's scoring a little bit more than once every three games, which isn't, you know, terrible for a wing. Yeah, new system. So uh, it will be uh, interesting to see uh, how New York City goes about everything this year. They do have some changes. Um, one thing I do know, and I, I don't know the gentleman's name, uh, but he's worked with uh, under Marcelo Bielsa at, at, at a time during his career, also at Leeds United. But Daniel Fradley, we've talked about him, the uh, – the uh, top analyst for New York City left and now is in charge of the city football group and all the satellite teams in that area, the uh, the uh, uh, analysis side of things. Uh, but uh, they have uh, the club has hired uh, this gentleman who's worked with Bielsa. So I'm anxious to hear a little bit more about him. So they do have an analyst who, you know, that's become such a massive role in preparation for everything that you do, training the opponent, and uh, and we know. Oh, I'd love to pick his brain after after working with Bielsa and what Bielsa wants. I mean, Bielsa is somebody who's just like soccer twenty four hours a day. It's like yeah. soccer, food, go to the bathroom. Soccer, food, go to the bathroom. I mean, that's it. Right. It's amazing. So uh, I'd love to see you know what that was like because and I'm, I, a, I'm a Bielsa fan. Oh, well, me too, and I, I, I'm. It, it remains to be seen too. I know Cleberson is um, is gone. We're not sure where. There was somebody I interviewed at the uh, convention who worked in the Philadelphia Union Academy and was asking me about Cleberson. I said, "Well, I really don't know where he went." Um, so we're not I think sure. He's when back in Brazil. I think he's back in Brazil. Well, let's not assume that because but I've not heard, exactly. I've heard other. I've 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 heard otherwise that he might still be in the states somewhere. So let's just. No, okay. Hold off on this, but I'm I'm not sure. I'm not going to mention it until uh, we know for a hundred percent. But uh, as far as I can tell, New York City still has a vacancy uh, on their coaching staff, unless they've um, you know. Until we have get a chance applied? to talk to Nick, I have not have applied. applied. 
I'm very busy uh, doing, uh, producing, uh, not producing, but putting together things for NYCFC views. How could I have time for oh. that? Oh, oh well, okay. Uh, I, I get that then. I have, I have looked into, I think, um, I hope this is not a premature announcement, but uh, um, I'm encouraged that for U.S. club soccer, they have something called ID2. There's, uh, I, I think I'm going to have a chance to get back into the game a little bit more and uh, do something there, which is, could be both coaching and scouting. So uh, that's pending. And a good friend of mine uh, who uh, runs the show there, I'm hoping that uh, we can figure something out. But uh, So it won't be New York City FC. Um, you know, their loss. <laughs> thank you, Roberto, for the plug. You're, you're welcome. I don't know if New York City is going to thank me, but, you know. No. I'm, doing I, my, I, I'm trying, you know. Of course, that's tongue-in-cheek. Tongue-in-cheek here on the SICK Podcast. Uh, <laughs> hey, let's see that uh, preseason roster, Shane. Throw it up there, dude. Let's see what we got. There it is. Well, you see Alex Rando up there. That was one of the announcements over the last couple of weeks. And uh, then we felt that probably Cody Mizell was going to depart. Indeed, that has happened. And he's going to rejoin Troy Lesane at DC United and become the goalkeeper coach. Uh, he played for Lesane at New Mexico United at Cody Mizell. We got a chance to know him on the road, especially Roberto, great guy, and glad he found a home yeah. like that. Uh, the first name I want to bring up, and then I'll, I'll leave it to you, is uh, is the 15-year-old homegrown Zidane Yanez, if I'm pronouncing that correctly. That's, uh, you're not. You're not even close. You want, you want to try again? No, just say it. Okay, it's Zidane Yanez. The, the N is in N. Well, I was close. Is, uh, I said Yanez, and you said Yanez. Well, there's a big difference between Yanez and Yanez. So let's see. So the, we, the difference between having the N... And the Enye, okay, so A-N-O, for instance, I'm going to give you a little Spanish lesson here, okay? And, and listen closely because you'll be, you'll be quizzed on this at some point. A-N-O and A-N-E-O, okay? A-N-E-O is año, right? Which, like they say, yeah. feliz año nuevo, happy new right, year. Right. A-N-O, without the little tilde on top of the N, means uh, butthole, anus. Awesome. That's why it's Yanez and not Yanez. Yanez. And it should have an accent on the A, too, by the way. Okay. Yanez. Well, let's, so it's, we... it's like N I. It's almost like N-I-E, Yanez, that sort of thing. That's the I way you pronounce it. I should up on that. I know. And what do you call it's that? Okay. No, I, this isn't just you. I mean, this is 99% of America do, do, does not know this stuff. What is so, that called? Uh, What's that called over the Z? A tilde? Uh, the N. Or, or the tilde. N? Tilda? I believe it's a tilde. Yeah. Tilde right. or tilda, tilde. All right, let's go back. My go Spanish back. gets confused. Let's go back to the picture of the kid, Zidane, who uh, he had his first interview with New York City. It's up on a website, and his father spoke. But the 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 answer to the question I have, was he named after Zidane, the uh, French international star? And there's been no absolute confirmation of that. The, the thing the father said uh, in, the, in the welcome video was that, um, you know, People expected him to play soccer because his name was Zidane. But it wasn't like we named him Zidane because of Zidane. So, you know, the funny thing clarify. is, is that it's so he's basically got a nice he's smile got two too. last names. He's got two last names because Zidane's first name is Zinedine. So it's not Zinedine Yanez, it's Zidane Yanez, which is interesting. Yeah, that is. Well, look, the kid turned 16 
on uh, January 26th. And I think the most interesting part of this kid, well, he's got a great, great smile. And <laughs> he, uh, he's of Chilean, Puerto Rican, and American descent. Right now he can play for three countries, and he has. Well, he's, he's competed for the U-15s in Chile, uh, the U-15s in Puerto Rico, and he's been to a U-16 U.S. Youth National Camp, but hasn't competed yet for the U-16. So along the way, depending on his effectiveness, he's got a decision to make. But isn't that wonderful? I, I, I guess I don't know the absolute rules on this, but it sounds like he'll be able to just compete with three different countries on the youth national team level at his whim. Pretty much. That's why. Pretty wild. much. And then, and then at some point he's got to make a decision right before he gets capped for a well he can either make a decision to say i want to play for this country and then that's that or you know before he gets capped for a game you know in an international full international that is a meaningful game meaning not an exhibition you know so so it'd be gold cup let's say or uh what one of those and then he's got to make a decision but if you remember with uh pepe who chose the us at i think 18 years old he had an option to not, if he played for the U.S. and then let's say things got really sour and he decided he didn't want to play anymore, then he could wait four years and then switch to Mexico. Wow. But I don't know how long he would have to, um, I don't know if there was a limit of how many games he could play for the U.S. and then still make that decision. That part I don't know. But I do remember that if he got capped and then didn't play, he could wait uh, I think it was four years, and then he could switch. All right, so uh, that's our young man about to turn 16, uh, Zidane Yanez. He's played seven times combined for oh. Chile and Puerto Rico, has two goals and an assist in those three uh, youth international matches. And I, what everyone should go on the uh, New York City web, and uh, they did a really nice job with his first interview, as they call it because his parents are both uh, interviewed and his father said something near the end and he got very emotional and we're both parents and have sons, Roberto. And he said, sometimes I don't praise you enough. Meaning talking about his, you know, perhaps suggesting he may be overly critical over the years or didn't say it enough. And it, it totally makes sense. If you're a parent, sometimes you get caught in that uh, dilemma. It's not a dilemma. It's just, you get caught, being more like constructive rather than yeah. praising. So uh, it, it was a really nice moment because I think he understood, wow, this kid's done quite well. Absolutely. Absolutely. 13th Anything home, else stand out for you? 13th homegrown. Well, uh, there's yeah. other homegrowns in camp. Maximo Carrizo, who also is a dual international. Uh, Christian McFarlane, another dual international. Johnny Shore and Drew uh, Bayera, who uh, is also in camp, he's at the back. But it's like, yeah. it's. I, I think McFarlane will have the best chance of sticking. Who who's backing up Kevin O'Toole at left back right now? And certainly something nobody right now. It, so th there's a competition between those two. And I said it to you last year, Roberto, watching that kid in training. Uh, McFarlane, he's. Um, you could just see his growth throughout the year, and he—he's a—he's going to be a tough competitor for that spot. I would love. Look, we had Kevin O'Toole on as a guest, and you know, O'Toole—he's uh, deserved everything that he's uh, 
obtained. And you can tell he's, he's going to always battle for it. He's always going to be in the mix. He's going to play some role for New York City FC. But McFarlane, man, I wouldn't mind giving him a chance, you know, in some capacity. And we know he can play on the left and right. Yeah. But, uh, you know, that's... I mean, uh, you do, I mean, we do know that he gets called up to England for basically yeah. every international window. So for playing for, you know, for their youth teams. And U19s, so, yeah, he's uh, playing U19s, right? That's 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 yeah. big time in U20s, I think. And so, um, a talent he's got. So we'll have to see. You know, it's good. I mean, competition is good. Keeps you on your toes, makes you better. So, nothing else really stands out to me. Um, although, when well, you there's look something at, that stands out to me. Well, strike. I'm well, striker uh, would still be. Yes. Yeah. Yes. So Montsef Bakrar who's averaged a goal every four or five games in his career. And that's kind of the way it went last year. And again, the, the, the hope is that he can make that, you know, one out of three, one out of two and a half, you know, be more in that range. Gabe Siegel is back from uh, that loan where he escaped Israel really uh, right at the early stages of the war. And yeah. um, that was so fortunate that he got out of there. So he's, he's back at, you know, competing, you know, in that role. Yanez, by the way, is a striker, but he's not going to have a chance to stick at 15 years old or 16. He'll turn 16 at camp unless he does something. Can you imagine if he does? Look that would be from that point of view. Yeah, well, that would be crazy. Uh, yeah. I'm wondering. I'm anxious to hear uh, about Malachi Jones from from Nick. He's the uh, the winger that uh, was their first round draft choice out of Lipscomb in uh, down south. You know. Uh, not many people know much about Lipscomb University, including myself, but I, I learned a lot more after uh, understanding that uh, Jones was the first draft pick. So I you mean, go. Right now, the backup center forward would probably be Alonso Martinez, who got very little chance to show what he could do because he was basically in preseason when he signed uh, for New York City. And I think he only got, what, like two, three games at, at most and, you know, 10-minute runs. So not much time to show what he could do. But uh, as, as it stands now, he's the only other player that could play that position unless you're playing with a false nine. And then, you know, that becomes Santi. So, um, you know, that, that, that's what it is. But look, New York City is famous for bringing players in very late in the window. And so uh, we expect more players uh, to come. There has been a rumor, and that's getting stronger and stronger, about a player down uh, for Racing. His name is Agustin Ojeda, who's a 19-year-old uh, who's played left wing, mostly left wing, but some right wing for Racing. He's got 24 games and three goals in his senior career for, uh, for Racing. He had been starting up until December, and um, for the least, it started the last two games. Actually got a goal and an assist against Belgrano in a 4-1 win. So uh, he's somebody else who, who might be coming in. And I decided to go and take a look on what, was, uh, what were the thoughts in Argentina and by Racing fans about him coming here. So uh, according to Tomas Davila, who is a journalist uh, uh, for ESPN down in Argentina, according to him, that uh, they've already exchanged contract ideas and that um, New York City is going to pay $5.5 million for him 
and uh, they're going to do it in two payments, and they're going to get 90% of the players. So Rasi will hold on to 10% of uh, the sell-on. So what I decided to do was take a look to see what the fans thought about this. And uh, the good news for New York City is that a lot of them are really, really pissed. And most of them, like 90% of them, are really, really upset. And, and thinking more than anything else that New York City got a bargain, that he's terribly undervalued. And uh, that's the basic sentiment from dozens of comments that I read from Racing fans on, uh, on Twitter. So um, about uh, hoping that New York City got a, got a very decent player. Well, how about the comments from our own Maddie Lawrence, who we know? Well, is I a- wanted you to go there. Because that's you know that balances out a little bit. Well, Maddie's interesting because he he does a lot of Argentinian games uh, on another network. Uh, there's times where we'll travel and uh, he won't be able to go out to dinner with us because he has to go do an Argentinian match. So he saw Rossing games quite a bit last year, and the way he put it, you know, and and look, we, everybody knows Maddie is a hard critic, uh, but he said, you know, Ojeda did not stand out in any of the games that he did didn't say he was a poor player. He just said he didn't stand out and that he thought uh, Julian Fernandez. He also did games with Julian Fernandez, who's part of New York city. Now he, he said Fernandez was more of an impact than Ojeda in his experience watching uh, those two in particular. So, you know, that's just, uh, you know, his report. And I'll tell you what, uh, Maddie has come back. We've heard a lot about Argentinian players for, for Matt from Maddie. And he's usually, you know, he's usually got a got a good judge of it. But again, he wasn't saying he's a poor player. Uh, he was suggesting, well, how much do you pay for this guy? And we'll see. First of all, it's got to be consummated. And so you're you're seeing reports that it is a done deal. Is that is, is that right, Roberto? No, no, not that it's a done deal, but they they're coming close to a done deal. Okay, there'll be a done deal when New York City announces it. And he's a if winger. They announce it. So that'll be He's five. A winger, primarily left wing, can play on the right. So that's five wingers that will be in Wolf camp. is ba- by the way, Wolf only played on the left based on things that I'm seeing in Transfer Market and uh Fotmob. Well, you see, Wolf is not on that roster. Let's say the Ojeda deal is consummated. That would be six wingers uh in <laughs> yes. preseason. So just uh just tuck that one away. All right, get rid of that roster. Thank you very much, Shane. <laughs> well, I mean, and, and, and yet six wingers, one center forward. No, you. And well, they got to fill that, right? I, they got to fill that position. Well, you're not. You're not even giving Gabe Siegel a chance. Okay, sorry. Too, I forgot. I I apologize, Gabe. You should, Gabe. If you're watching, that was Roberto, not me, man. <laughs> he knows the difference, by the way. He knows the difference. Does he? Yes. He's a, he's a smart kid. Uh, hey. There's a new place to send your kids for soccer training, Roberto. It's called the La yes. Fabrique Academy. Let's look and see who's heading this up. Oh, my gosh. This one popped up yesterday. Unbelievable. Maxime Chino coming back to the city, or already back in the city, it looks like. Yeah, I mean, I don't know if he's just going to start it and then go back and, and, and play in France, or I have no idea. But uh, at least he's starting this up over here, and uh, he loves the city, obviously. So if he can put an academy over here, so that's good. La Fabrique, I would presume, is the factory. It is. It translates into uh, two things, made in France and a building where certain things are manufactured, which is what you said. That, 
would be you know? a factory. Hat? That yeah. would be a factory, yes. Okay. My Spanish comes in handy. I, I, I like... <laughs> No, it does because uh, I, I was curious as to uh, uh, hold. I'm I'm looking for a tip of the day. You know that I put the tip of the day out, right, Roberto? Yes, it's I I'm I'm on Instagram constantly. Yes, Instagram, uh, Twitter every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. Well, my most recent tip of the day, and I think this goes along with uh, Maxime Cheneau, be the central defender who can provide headed clearances on the defensive side. Exceptional for Cheneau and finish offset pieces in the air on the attacking side. It's two different techniques. Learn them and work on them. That was my suggestion. And we how, see how often <laughs> how often do we see defensemen go up, head the ball, and it goes over the bar? Well, Maxime Cheneau. <laughs> Sorry, <laughs> he's not Maxime. the only one. No, he's not the only no, one. The it, only it's, one. It's very common because, as you say, it's two different techniques. When you're, Absolutely. When, 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 you're in, when, when you're trying to score, you got to head down. When you're trying to clear, you're heading up. All right. So, Chanel back in town. Uh, wonderful. All right. Let's go uh, kick it around, Roberto. Former New York City FC Academy product, Gio Reyna, in the news. He's in the news a lot. Yes. And now he's in the news. Uh, here's what the sporting director at Borussia Dortmund said, because this is from Soccer America. So the figure is that the Gio is going to be out. Where does he end up? That's what uh, all the discussion is now. But check out the, the second paragraph from the, uh, the sporting director at, at, at Dortmund. <laughs> where he indicated empathy with Reina's discontent, but also added in a Sky 90 interview, it doesn't help to whine. So Gio Reyna whined at the World Cup. He he has yeah. whined at Dortmund. Look, I don't, I don't know the young man. We saw him play a little bit. We saw him come in and do some incredible things uh, with the first team as a 15-year-old just to, to kick it around in training. Um, Claudio Reyna was the former sporting director for New York City FC. Uh, and, you know, and we, we've known Claudio a long time, and we know there's been, you know, that dilemma there. You could use the word wine again. And he's now currently, as far as I know, out of football, you know, because of that. And uh, I, the thing that I just – and I'm, I'm qualifying it, Roberto, because I've, I've just got to say, the kid's got to grow up. Come on, man. Yeah. No, but that, I agree, a hundred percent. I mean, that's his biggest two interests he's got: one, growing up; two, staying healthy. And they've both affected him in a, in a very bad way, right? As you would expect. Uh, the reason he's not starting in Dortmund is because he came off major injuries, right? That he either got there or with the U.S. national team, and uh, he he wound up losing his place. And the guy who's in front of him has been playing better. I mean, and that's what it is. And now things got even worse for him because Dortmund signed Jordan Sancho. Right. Because Jordan Sancho couldn't get along at Manchester United. And so he's been loaned out to, to Dortmund, where he used to play. And so now uh, he's probably going to be ahead of Reyna in the pecking order. Or maybe one of the reasons they got him is because they're going to ship Reyna someplace. But, yeah, the whining's got to stop. You can't control injuries. That happens. You can definitely control your attitude. You can definitely. And I understand the frustration. But everybody goes through the same thing, especially when you're young. And you've got to be able to handle that. You've got to have the maturity. And, you know, sometimes I guess 
you know, maybe you need, you know, coaches to let to make you a better player physically, but maybe you need a mental coach or a psychologist to, to teach you how to be better mentally. And that is accepting what your role is, trying to fight for a better role, but keeping your mouth shut and let your actions on the field in training and when you get into games, do the talking. Everything else is, hey, I, I've got to play better. I've got to do better. You know, I'm, every time I get on the field, I've got to show the coach that I deserve to be there. That's it. That's it. Yeah. And do, and do I, your job. I met somebody recently who uh, coached Geo as a U-12. So this is years ago. Spent a lot of time with him and said he was kind of a handful at that time. And let's, let it be known that, you know, that sometimes a, an attitudinal player, that's what makes them great. You know, that, that's yeah. part of a, something that uh, – but when, when, it, when that word wine is used, I mean, it's, it's really it's, – it's distressing – you know, we, he's we got to back be it up better than he has, basically. Because yeah. if, he, if uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic did the same thing, everybody would be listening. But Zlatan's backed it up. Zlatan's yeah. are in the right to, to say something like that. Gio has not earned that right. Not yeah. yet. Not by a long shot. For as talented as he is, and, and, and we know how talented he is, he deserves to play in a top team in the top leagues in Europe. He deserves to play in Germany in a top team, which he does for, for the most part. He, or he could play in England, or he can play in Spain, or he can play in France, if you consider France a top league, and he can or, or Italy. But uh, the situation isn't good. And sometimes you run into coaches who don't help you. Look at the situation that Christian Pulisic was in last year at Chelsea, right, with Thomas Tuchel. It just didn't work out. Coach didn't like him as much as maybe he should have. Didn't put him in positions to succeed. He goes and he goes to AC Milan, and he's killing it in AC Milan. He's killing it. He was player of the month in Italy. Sometimes you need a change of venue, a change of coach, change of airs, and that changes everything for you. And I look at somebody like Gio, and as much as I love Borussia Dortmund and everything that they do and how they go about their business of bringing up young kids and selling them for a lot of money, developing them, making them great players, I think at this point now, at the situation that he's in, it's time to go someplace else. I'd love to see him in Spain. I think Spain would be a great league for him. I'd love to see him in Italy as well. It'd be interesting to see him in, uh, in England. But I think that maybe the styles might be better for him in Spain or, or or in Italy, but we'll see where he winds up. And I just I, hope he doesn't wind up going to a team like Nottingham Forest or something like that, where there's like that much pressure to stay into the Premier League. And, you know, you've got all that pressure and all of a sudden you're the golden boy coming in and a lot of people see you no as a savior. Boy. Yeah, yeah, well, I just don't, so, uh, not I don't want that situation for him. Yeah, I think Spain and Italy, I think you, I think you hit that accurately in terms of, of styles. And I, I, I will, uh, the other thing I, I always want to qualify with the Reynas is that they were dealt such a tragic blow. You know, his brother oh, passed yeah. away and it, it, you know, I, I always look back on that. So it's very, uh, it's, it's hard for me to be harsh on the Reynas, but the way the world cup went um, was really unfortunate. And, and uh, you know, and then this, this latest, I, I just, uh, yeah, I hope he learns from it and grows from it because he's an important cog to the U.S. men's national team, and he's got to he's figure out how. To, he's got to figure out how to work with Greg Barhalter. 
Uh, you know, to yeah. me at this point, it's not Burhalter's. It's not his job now to just keep nurturing this relationship. No, the player needs to respond to the coaching. And we, again, not on the inside, not sure how all that's going, but uh, that's. Well, he that's started the, the games that he came back, right? So he, he came in and uh, he was given a starting assignment and he played well. And that's all you can ask for. Yeah, but we don't, so, know, how, uh, we don't know how it's really. You know, going. you just want more. You want more of that and let, let the personal stuff go. And, and let's say this, all, all the criticism that we're that we're heaping on him is because we want to see him succeed. We want to see him bloom and become uh, and fulfill that enormous potential that he has. You know, you want him to be an all-time great player for the U.S. national team, somebody who in 2026 is going to be primarily responsible for the U.S. getting to wherever they get to, in a good sense. So that's what we want for him. We want him to succeed, and we're rooting for him. We just want to see him get a chance to do it by not getting in his own way. And that's what seems to be happening way too often. Now, another guy that is uh, often accused of uh, being a whiner is Jose Mourinho. And he was sacked over the weekend by AS Roma. Uh, so this is a Roma uh, supporter posted this. And then I have a great friend in uh, Canada, uh, Marco Masucci, who's a great coach. And he follows the Roma. He's AS Roma blood. And uh, he, he sent this to me because it was like they've signed one quality player in the past five transfer windows, yet they're a top 10 uh, UEFA ranked team. They're ranked number nine uh, in the UEFA standings. And, uh, you know, a lot is said about uh, Jose. And here's another example of the supporters uh, not particularly uh, pleased with the uh, ownership group, which is, uh, which is led by an American. Dan Friedkin, he is the uh, the American owner, went to Georgetown University. And so there's po uh, there's these uh, billboards along the highways uh, around um, around Italy in Rome. And uh, so Mourinho's out. I'm I'm <laughs> I've always loved Jose. I, I didn't love the uh, Tottenham docuseries. I think it was on Netflix. Uh, I, I didn't love him in that. But Roberto, really quickly. He brought Chelsea to Rutgers University, where I was coaching, to prepare for one of those summer series uh, games. And uh, so I went to three consecutive days of, uh, of him running training sessions. And to this day, I used some of the things because it was, it was all about the 4-3-3 at that time. So whether it was a warm-up activity or a pattern or something, um, I, was, uh, I was really intrigued. So I've used stuff by, from Jose. There's like 57 different exercises within the, the three days. And uh, it was really cool with me to, to be able to witness that. But I do remember talking to Ronnie Dyla, asking, hey, did you see the Tottenham series? And he said, yeah, I don't like, I don't, you know, he basically said, I don't like Jose. I don't like his style. I don't like the way he goes about things. You know, Ronnie's completely. Right, that, that's his problem. Yeah. That's his big problem. That's why he wears out his welcome very quickly. That's why if you look, see where he's lasted more than two years. It doesn't. It just wears out. He comes in and he makes a positive change and, you know, all the things he does because he's a brilliant mind. And then after that, he winds up losing the locker room because it becomes such a it becomes to a point where they just can't deal with him anymore. And he's somebody who really doesn't learn. Right. He He's the one. Right. He's the chosen one. He is now a super nice guy is Giorgio Chiellini. And how about that? He's still in MLS. He was 
hired as an assistant coach, a player development coach, love the title, for uh, LAFC. So Chiellini, he retired recently, right at the end of the season, and now he's back with LAFC as a coach. So I guess he, I guess he likes LA. I guess the L.A. winters uh, suit him well. (laughs) And then here's the um, – we both saw this yesterday, and uh, Brian Scaretta, he put it the best regarding Richie Williams being – Oh, yeah. I don't want to say rehired, but but on the bottom you see the New England Revolution 2 put out uh, that tweet announcing an updated coaching staff. Nowhere, unless you open it up and read through it, do you see uh, Richie Williams' name? Now, the reason that's kind of important is that Williams was in the middle of this Bruce Arena stuff last year. Bruce Arena getting suspended, and now I guess he has received permission from Don Garber that he could go back into the league and coach for inappropriate behavior or comments. Uh, I, to this day, have no Accusa- idea. Accusation of. Accusation of. Uh, yeah. And... Richie Williams was at the uh, when Curtin Awful came on uh, at the press conference announcing Arena had departed. The two assistants, um, um, Shalry Joseph and I can't remember the other one right now, uh, were essentially sacked along with Bruce. Uh, but Richie Williams, well, so where's Richie? Uh, well, he's still uh, with us, um, and it's undefined his role. That was a long time ago. Well, now it's been defined. He's going to be the head coach of New England Revolution Two. They had uh, told the players two weeks ago that this was happening, and so now they finally announced it. Um, it's really weird. I mean, I haven't, I have the players, Roberto, didn't the players have a big what we have read is that the players had a pretty big issue with Williams, the senior players, yes. the first team players, right? Which is why he came in as the interim replacing Arena, okay. Right. And then I think he had like a win, a tie, and four losses. And then the players were not happy. And then he got replaced and somebody else finished the rest of the season. Um, it, it's interesting. When he, dis- when he coached on his own, I don't remember any place where he might have succeeded. I remember, I, I don't have the details. I just have the memory about him being in charge of the U-17s for, I forget which, uh, which period of time. And, and, and the team was horrific under him. Just totally, totally underachieved. I mean, it was alarming how poorly that team played. And I don't remember any place else where he's coached and he does well. Now, the thing that also is alarming is that, so maybe he's a great assistant, okay? Because Bruce Arena isn't going to take somebody who isn't somebody who's going to help. And he was Bruce's right-hand man for a long time. Right. Bruce had to sever his right hand, basically. Because Richie, based on what we've heard, Right, seems to have turned on Bruce at some point during that New England Revolution, the time that Bruce was there, and hence why everything uh, happened, or at least the uh, management finding out about whatever. So it, it seemed to be that Richie had turned on him, and uh, they've, you know, absolutely, dep- you know, and we're just, separated. we're, this is just all. It's pretty much conjecture on our part, but it's just little things that have trickled out from camp. Uh, yeah. but w- will we ever know the true story? We're not sure. Um, maybe not. Maybe Bruce will write another book someday. It looks well, like so. he's, unless he gets hired by Minnesota, he's going to go another year uh, without coaching, though. He, like I said, Garber has given him permission. There was some word about DC United. They hired Troy Lusane. 
but well, what we heard from DC United is, is that Bruce had contacted them about coming back into the fray. So it's uh, will Bruce be back now? Uh, and and if not, uh, I Somebody's suspect going to hire him. If he if if he doesn't get hired, okay, in in this round, uh, at at some point, somebody's going to get fired, and he's going to get hired. He's too good, he's too good a manager for him to go without working for some team not to want him and be able to improve with somebody like him. And so far, I mean, the two biggest names out there that haven't been hired, he's one, and Gio Savarese is the other. And, uh, well, Minnesota is the only uh, team left that needs a coach. And I, I wonder, well, first I thought, how about Jose Mourinho? I would love him to come to MLS. I would oh, love God. that. That would be he fun. Would, he would put Dome Torrance complaints to shame. I mean, he would, like, <laughs> he would, that would be uh, interesting. And press, conferences, con press conferences would definitely be fun. And that's where Khaled El Ahmad, formerly of the City Football Group, is now the sporting director, but he's not there yet. Or maybe he's arriving very shortly. It's it's close to him uh, um, being uh, involved with the, the hiring process to get a to get a permanent coach for Minnesota. All right, best moment of the week as we close this, Roberto. All right. <laughs> now I'm going to go to the NFL, and a reporter asking Todd Bowles, former coach of my favorite team, Jets. Of course, he couldn't get it done there, but now he's deep into the playoffs for Tampa Bay. Tampa Bay Bucks coach Todd Bowles. So he's in a presser. Tampa Bay is playing at Detroit this weekend. And a reporter asked Todd Bowles, how is he preparing his team for the frigid conditions in Detroit for that playoff game? The Lions have played indoors for the past 48 years in a temperature-controlled environment. And Bowles handled it adroitly. He, he did a good job with it. He was just like, well, you know, we play indoors. So then he kind of took it to like, well, you know, maybe walking into the stadium will we'll take extra <laughs> precaution. <laughs> uh, it happens, right? Somebody didn't do their homework. Yeah, they played in Pontiac, Michigan for a long time in the Pontiac Silverdome. Silverdome. famous in soccer. Yes, because of because of uh, the U.S. Uh, playing their game there versus Switzerland, if I'm not mistaken, and that was a one-one tie with an Eric Winalda free kick goal. Nice, and uh, and that so might have Roberto. That might have been the first time grass was put over turf here in the states. I mean, that's, it, well, uh, yeah, they, they they did, yeah, they did have grass in the, in the stadium, but they also did it. They did have grass. What they didn't have was air conditioning. And it was over 90 degrees, and the temperature inside the stadium, I believe, was like over 120. And it's, you know, it's not one of those removable domes, you know, open domes that you have. So it was no place for the heat to escape. Wow. The conditions were, they were horrific. It was, a, it was a premature preparation for Qatar and Saudi Arabia, maybe, you know? If you ever speak to, if you ever speak to Eric, ask him about that game, right. okay? He or uh, Alexi Lalas, Marcelo Balboa, Ask them about that game because the, the conditions were, you know, they, the first game ever played in a dome in a World Cup, and, they, and it was horrific because no air conditioning. So then, and now they play in Ford Field, which is a beautiful stadium in, in downtown Detroit. All right, man. Well, we get a chance to talk to Nick Cushing on Friday. So when we come back at you next week, there'll be some uh, 
preseason, maybe more thorough preseason stuff that we could share with you. So for Roberto Abramowitz, I'm Glenn Crooks. Thanks for being here with us on NYCFC Views. And that's a wrap. Hope you don't miss us too much until next time. Follow the sick podcast NYCFC Views on YouTube, Instagram, Facebook, Google Play, and Apple Podcasts.